Hi, welcome to Love Faith Talkers. We are here to talk about the topics that matter to real life Christians just like you. Topics like anxiety, fitness, loneliness in church, Christians in the workplace, depression, and even food. We interview psychologists, preachers, businessmen, and businesswomen, and people just like you. We're here to help you find the hope, inspiration, and courage you need to live your life the way God intends. As an empowered, thriving Christian. Thank you for joining us on Love Faith Talkers. This week, we interviewed David and Christine Goodson. David is the pastor at Hope Baptist Church in Stallings, North Carolina, which is actually our church. David and Christine were horribly hurt by people in the church setting, but this interview is not specifically about that. It is about how we can help someone else who is dealing with church hurt. Maybe you have a friend or a family member who has experienced church hurt. Maybe you are a church leader or pastor and you have encountered someone in your church or community who has been hurt by church. Maybe you have personally experienced church hurt and are trying to find a way forward. If any of that resonates with you, then this interview is for you. Today, we will hear the first half of the interview. After it's over, David, my David, and I will be back to discuss a little of what we heard. Here we go. All right. Uh, how are y'all doing? Wonderful. Great. Thank you, David. Good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for chiming in. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to uh, talk with us today. We really appreciate that. Sure. And it's kind of cool because we get to do this interview in person. So we still don't know what happened with the audio quality on the last one, but we're going to figure it out. <laughs> but we don't have to worry about that because we're meeting in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're a little under the weather, right, Pastor? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Yes. <laughs> you stay way over there and we'll yes. we'll make funny signs in the air and, and be all healed or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, but uh, as Nikki mentioned, we're going to be focusing today on how to help other people with their hurt experiences in relationship to church. And part of the reason that we're doing this is because, as Nikki mentioned, this is our pastor and his wife. And uh, for some reason, it just seems like God keeps bringing people here that have been hurt. Would you say that's accurate? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It says on our sign, a place of restoration. And it really is. That's, that's, it's amazing when many times we'll have uh, a gathering and we'll talk about it. And every once in a while, we'll ask that question. It's like, like, how many of you guys are here because you need to be restored? And the whole room will raise their hands. So Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, that's really been the theme of our ministry, I feel like, as time's gone by. It seems like for some reason, most of the songs we sing, a lot of the messages that get preached just go that way. Uh, I'm not sure. So it's, it's, it's an important topic to us, and Amen. it's really, really neat. So the very first topic that we want to get into today to help people is identification of the hurting. So how is it that we identify the people who are hurting? And I this is a general question for either one of you. Do you think that people... Um, need to experience church hurt in order to identify church hurt in others? Do you think that's a prerequisite or that it just makes it easier? I mean, I, mean, I think it certainly helps. It makes it easier to identify it um, when you can sort of, uh, you know, understand that the pain that they've come through. Um, because a lot of times I think, you know, if you've never experienced it, it's really hard to recognize it or even really give it validity. And one of the things that I think uh, from our personal experience is the fact that, you know, having been through it, uh, as you hear someone's story, you connect with them on an emotional level, and also you are able to, because you've come through it, you're also able to know that there's hope on the other side of their pain. 
I would actually say that I didn't know church hurt was a thing until I went through it. Like, I would have thought, like, what is that? You know, I've never even, it never even dawned on me that the church, which is designed to help, would actually hurt. And so when we went through church hurt, it certainly did make it easier for me to just spot when somebody is in that place. And also, if, if it, it, like she said, we didn't even realize that it was something that other people necessarily had experienced. So we kind of thought it was uh, we were in a bit of a bubble, our own experience. But then when, it's, when you start to understand how many people have actually been impacted and touched by it, 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 it really is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. How would you advise people to identify church hurt in others? I mean, are there certain indicators that you tend to see across the board? I think one thing is if you're in the ministry and somebody is hurting in that ministry, one of the first things that I recognize is withdrawing. Mm -hmm. You know, they become a little bit more reserved. They don't want to come to events. They avoid the fellowship. They may stop coming as much. And, you know, all sorts of things can hurt people. So it, it could happen in a perfectly normal, good, well-functioning ministry, and somebody can still be hurt. So that's what I recognize is that withdrawal and somebody being more reserved. Certainly, certainly. And, you know, and also just a matter of when you're trying to engage them, you know, you can, there's, there's a sense of, yeah. you know, you know, you get this little, this little, uh, spidey sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, this little spidey sense. It's kind of like, okay, okay. Something's going on here. And, you know, but, but I think one of the things about it is the fact that you've got to create a safe space for people. You've got to make an environment where people, because one of the things that we're very open about our pains, we're very open about our mistakes. We're very, very open about our failures because as opposed to seeing someone on a pedestal that you think is perfect and who's lives this perfect Christian life that everyone's going to look up to and this guy's on a platform and he's perfect, it's much more realistic to be real and just say, well, look, this is who we really are. This is what we've gone through. This is our failures. This is where we've fallen short. This is the pains that we've suffered because then it opens a door for someone to say, you know what? I feel like I can connect with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So many times when we counsel people, we'll tell them our story and we'll just open up and I mean, all the awful detail. And they're sitting there like, oh, my goodness, really? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's who you're talking to. So don't, you know, if we give you an advice that's good, it's not from us. It's from the Word of God. And that's the key is the fact that I think the more people realize that you're just a person, um, the more they're able to, they're trying to get me not to move my hands because I, I talk with my hands. Your jacket's <laughs> I'll take my jacket oh, the jacket's fine. As long as you're not beating the microphone, you're fine. <laughs> but, any, but, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I think that's the, the key is the fact that, you know, you, you really are creating an environment where someone who, who feels uncomfortable can have a, a level of comfort maybe in a situation where otherwise they may have been quite intimidated to speak. If you can drop that by coming down and just being real, you give people an opportunity just to be real as well. So, And then also on the other side, if people aren't in church and you're inviting them, you can pick up that visceral response if they've been through church hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and that is something that we certainly can recognize when, you know, you just get that from a person that you're just inviting and you realize, hey, they've been through something really traumatic. Which what kind of responses do you typically see? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Nikki, I would say it's anything from anger, like an Im immediate stiff arm kind of anger, to tears. Mm -hmm. And we, we see it 
all the time, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, because we're constantly inviting people, you know, come to church, come meet with us, but, you know, be a part of hope or meet the Lord, you know, everybody needs him. And sometimes you just can tell like, no, church isn't for me or just the tears come from a hurt person like, oh, I used to go, but mm-hmm. I don't anymore. Yeah, I mean, I can give you one particular instance. Um, Christy and I went into a restaurant you guys should try, Sabor. Um, I don't know if you've been there oh, yet. Yeah, we That's have been Mexican there. That's food, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you got tacos <laughs> in your Yeah. Yes, yeah. me too. I think so we tried that. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so if you're in the Charlotte area, Sabor, love, faith, and tacos, y'all. <laughs> but we went into Sabor, and, uh, you know, as we walked in, I took out tracks, and I was just like, hey, guys, I want to, and I started giving them to the people behind the counter. And one of the guys behind the counter took the track, looked at it, and he took it like, he put it between his fingers and he flicked it back in my face. And he said, I tried God, didn't work. And, uh, and I said, well, I said, obviously not the God that I know. And I said, you know what? I challenge you. I said, why don't you and I sit down and talk? And I said, I'd love to hear your case against God. And he was like, oh, you know, give me an attitude like that. And I said, here's my business card. Well, later on that night, he texted me and he basically just, just poured out all this yuck. And I said, look, tomorrow morning, I'll meet you at Panera Bread. I'll buy you breakfast. Let's sit down and talk. And I just let him talk for three hours. I said, just tell me your story. And the thing is, you know, one of the things that people desperately want is to be understood. And he had a lot of pain that he needed to unload and he didn't have anybody to do it with. And I was like, look, if I can be that person for you, I'm here for you. Well, it was cool because, you know, after that conversation, I didn't really give a lot of input. I just listened. And at the end of it, I had brought a list of verses, just encouraging verses. And I said, you know what, when you're going through hard times, maybe hang on to these. You know, if you throw this away when I walk away, that's fine. I said, but maybe you keep on, maybe you keep it and you'll look at it. And he was like, okay. So we, we separated. Later on, I found out this guy was actually homeless, um, was living behind a dump, living in a, living in a gazebo, eventually was behind a dumpster. Um, we built a relationship. Uh, eventually, what was so awesome, one morning, um, I, he called me and he was just very, very, very broken. And I said, where are you? And he told me where I was. And I went there and, uh, and it was on a Saturday morning, early, like about seven in the morning. And I got there and he was just, just looked awful. And he said that a trash truck almost crushed him and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, but he's just so broken. And we were at the Dunkin' Donuts and, uh, I, uh, I said, Hey, let's go inside. I'll get you, I'll get you a donut, get you a cup of coffee. And I said, you know, God's, God's obviously working, right? He connected us for a reason. And I said, and he's, he's calling you. And it's just a matter of you being willing to respond. And I said, and all the stuff you have, it's not against God, it's against people. And it was so awesome because in that Dunkin' Donuts, he slid down to his knees with a line full of people right beside us and prayed and received the Lord. Oh, wow. That's awesome. uh, And, I mean, amazingly, and what was so cool, within a matter of a month, I mean, and he came to church, I picked him up religiously for about two months, and eventually we moved him into our house, and he lived with us for a year before he got on his feet. And uh, it's just church earth. Yeah, I'd say that kind of commitment is one of the real roadblocks probably on the end of the people who are doing. I mean, not everyone can do that, obviously. Um, So but I'm really happy that there are people that are out there. And I think that 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 willingness to give that much probably lends a lot into it. Um, Having said that and kind of talked about those things, would you say there's one kind of church hurt that you've encountered which seems more prevalent than others? Yes. Yes. We're both shaking our heads. (laughs) I think legalism has been one of the most painful experiences that hurt us Mm -hmm. and has hurt 
so many people. And what I mean about that legalism, for people that aren't familiar with the term legalism, because I didn't know what that was until I realized I was in it, um, (laughs) is, you know, really it's focusing on a set of rules, an outward appearance, the way, the things you do um, versus who you are. It's very... It's the Pharisees, you know, but it is, um, that is the thing that I feel has hurt almost everyone that I know that's been in church hurt because along with legalism comes judgmental Mm -hmm. people. It actually breeds that. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's the most sad thing to see how people who are professing to be godly Christians then hurt people with that very Christianity Mm -hmm. by judging somebody because their, you know, hair is not a certain way or their skirt is not a certain length or, you know, their, um, my skirt's fine. No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing at your hair oh, okay. your highlights. Oh, she said skirt and you're pointing at me. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was delayed. You know what I mean? And it's like that that kind of hurt I think we have seen destroy people in many mm-hmm. ways. And our kids were hurt with that. We right. were hurt with that. Certainly. Um, and so many people even that come into this ministry. We have a lady here that she swore that she would never step foot in an independent Baptist church again. And she ended up here, and she is one of our greatest assets and leaders now Mm -hmm. because she finally found a place that could preach the Word of God and could still love people and not focus on a set of rules but just focus on a relationship with the lord and you know but that's the kind of thing that we see yeah and i mean the thing is you know and if if god needs someone to shape or change we allow him to do it as opposed to us saying look this is what you're going to do because the problem is what you do is you do create pharisaical mindset. You know, it's like the Bible being a whited sepulcher filled with dead men's bones. It's like, look, you know what? You you literally can get people to conform the out the outside. And because they've conformed the outside, they can feel like they've done what they need to do in their Christian walk. And this becomes so dangerous because suddenly they don't necessarily work on developing their heart. But the cool thing is if you focus on their heart and you just pour the word of God into them, if there's a change, what happens is God brings God the change. Does it. And then it's their conviction, their own personal conviction, instead of one that's an external one that's being placed upon them. So it's a matter of not creating rules, but creating an environment where God is lifted up. And people will say, you know what, I feel like I need to change this in my life because I don't feel like it honors God. Well, then, hey, we're on the right track. Now, that's interesting to me because... Um, it just reminds me of these times whenever parents will come up to me and say, it, it just my kid just out of nowhere started doing this. And it's like, no, it's not out of nowhere. It's been there. And the reason that it seems like it's coming out of nowhere is because what you're saying, they've had the shell, mm-hmm. the outside part has looked the way it's supposed to, but it, it didn't grow from the inside. Um, I mean, I, I know that I, I, there were a lot of people in Bible college who, who were getting saved. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which was kind of was kind of interesting for me uh, to to run across that. But uh, yeah, that just clicked for me right now for some reason when you were saying that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the problem is there's so many people that believe they're all set because of the fact that they do follow 
because they look the part, because they know the words to say, they know how to play the game. And as long as they're convincing the people around them for some reason, that, that's good enough for them. But it's the whole thing is when you come to the realization of your accountability to the Lord and who it is you're supposed to be. And in fact, he sees through all this veneer. Sorry with my hands. <laughs> That's okay. You can have a little, you know, clapping going on. The fact that, that he looks through that and sees the heart of man. And that's that realization is the fact that helps people to realize, hey, you know what? This is not about me. Just playing the game. This is, it's time to get real because, you know, there will be a time very soon when we'll stand face to face with the Lord. And it's like, hey, it's time to be real. Yeah. 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 It's a very good point. So we talked about identification of the hurting, and the next thing we want to talk about is starting the proce process of healing. So once you're able to identify people who are hurt, um, what is the first thing that you guys have done that you found effective for helping people with church hurt? You know, trying to connect with them on a one-on-one -on -one, um, as soon as possible. And we, I mean, we try to do this to everybody that comes to the church is we try to make a personal connection. We try to, to hear their story, um, give them an opportunity. And, and so many times in that very first appointment, the very first time we'll meet, they may come to our house for lunch, we'll go out to eat with them, and we'll try to create a, a conversation where we can share some of our story and where we come from. And then, like I said before, creating that safe place that gives them an opportunity to kind of open up. And uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, I think that's one of, the, one of the most important things is really letting people know that you actually care that you're not just doing it because you're supposed to. You actually do want to know who they are and, and that healing is available. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've personally experienced it, then you know there's hope on the other side. You know, it's like Romans 5, I think it's 5, 3. It's in tribulation, work of patience, patience, experience, experience hope. And the fact is, you know, hope is, the gateway through hope is tribulation. And the fact is, you know, and you can give people that hope when they're dealing with an adversity or they've come out of that and they feel hopeless. I mean, what a wonderful gift to give somebody who feels so, you know, disgruntled or frustrated or, or hopeless is to go, you know, hey, guess what? There is a solution. And uh, so it's awesome. I mean, ultimately, we want to create <clears throat> an environment where somebody can communicate because communication is going to be what will set them free. Yeah. Once they can open up their heart and their mind and their mouth about what they're feeling, we went through this in our own mm -hmm. marriage. Once we were finally able to really communicate and talk, that was the beginning of the healing. But in order to let someone get to that point, sometimes it takes a long time of right. just showing them the love of God, you know, mm -hmm. without judgment, mm -hmm. without expectation, mm -hmm. without, you know, putting pressure, yeah. but just gently loving someone back to Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a ministry of not only restoration, but reconciliation. And, you know, we all have that ministry, and we just want to make sure that people know that God never left them, that he never deserted them, that he knows exactly where they are, mm -hmm. and that he doesn't waste pain. God never wastes pain. Mm -hmm. He will use that. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's just loving them to that point where they'll talk mm -hmm. and open up, and they've got to just share yeah and the, the one of the coolest things and the greatest joys of that restoration ministry is when you see someone who comes in who is broken I mean shattered and you watch God rebuild that person and then eventually their pain starts to dissipate and then they start to actually becoming able to minister through their pain I mean one of the phrases God gave me is the scars of our lives are the bandages for someone else's 
And when you have the opportunity to, to, to realize that God, that pain that you used to hate so much suddenly now becomes this gift that God's given you, a tool in your tool belt, your most valuable tool. I mean, broken marriage, that's one of our greatest tools, you know, a child who struggles with addiction, one of our greatest tools. So things that were so destructive in our life are the most wonderful bridges that we have to reach out to people that are broken. And it is just, it's, it's wonderful. So to see the full circle, somebody who came in broken, who's now been restored, who's now healing someone else, that's like, man, you're just like, yeah, baby. Yeah. And you guys have said so many great things. Like, wow, I know you were writing stuff down. Yes, I did. Um, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about when we first came to Hope, and this is not in our notes, of course. Sure. <laughs> kind of going on No, it's not here. there. You're, you're off script. <laughs> If I'm confusing you a little bit, um, but I, I was have, just, I'm not pre-approved. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was just thinking, you know, how amazing it was for you guys to reach out to us and just have that experience because we haven't had that. And we were coming from a very difficult, vulnerable place. Um, and when you invited us to your house, I remember thinking that's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, nice, but weird, sure. you know? And I was like, I don't know. Do we want to go? <laughs> you know, obviously we went, but the whole time we were there, I could tell that you guys had experienced hurt because mm -hmm. you can tell when you're talking to people just in their response, like when you're connecting with them about hurt. Mm -hmm. And I could see that. And sure. I remember you guys asking me, well, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want? How can we help you? And I'm like, wow, I've never been asked that before. <laughs> I don't know, you know? So I think, I mean, you guys are the real deal as far as Christians showing God's love, right? Just really exemplifying that. Um, for us, I know we haven't really had that, and I'm just really grateful for you guys. To God be the glory. Yeah, and I'm really, I'm really grateful too. I mean, men don't usually emote it as obviously, um, but, you know, this was – I was literally yesterday – was it this morning or yesterday we were talking about – since 2019 this morning this morning we were saying that really since january 1st 2019 our life has been insane yeah uh since since the day my my dad died yes. from that day forward yeah. we've had no rest i barely was recovering in 2019 and then 2020 comes around and that whole little covid -y thing happened <laughs> you know, but yeah so um just to get somewhere because i think that for us there just there comes a point where you stop believing it's possible yeah right um, you st and, and that's where I get with a lot of people. And at some point, we're actually planning on kind of talking to some people who have given up on, on their faith. But I think at some point, that there's, that's the two things that happen is your focus is on the people and the failings of the people. Mm -hmm. Understandably so, because the people are the ones that failed you. Sure. And you keep trying, and it keeps not happening. And at some point, you say, well, God, if it's, if it's real, why isn't it happening? Mm -hmm. right. Uh, right. So we just appreciate you being that for us, which we have tried to be for so many people. So I mean, often. basically, yeah. I think what I'm saying is that I feel like you guys are helping us heal, right? Yeah. Because we're all in, I mean, I think we're all kind of healing from something yes. continually, well, we're, honestly. We're, we're in a war. We're in a spiritual battle. Yeah, and injured. so I think that we're, obviously God heals us, but I think he uses people to help us along the way. Absolutely. And those shared experiences are really what help us. Yeah. And it's, yeah so nice to hear from people who have experiences that they're able to share and they're not afraid to, you know, kind of dump it out, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, whatever yeah. they're willing to share. Well, and the, the fakeness, I, I think that that's one of the things our generation deplores <laughs> fake. 
Right. We don't like it. And so when someone is up there and they're always acting like they've got it together, we know you don't always have it together. Exactly. So, so we're, we're, then <laughs> we're fooling anybody. No, we almost watch you closer and it's like, what, what is it? What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. And, and so, yeah, that, that vulnerability, I think, is, is, a, is a huge thing. Okay. Yeah. So the next thing. So, oh, I'm going to go back a little bit. Okay. So you were saying basically that connecting with people because mm -hmm. we kind of yeah. went on a rabbit trail. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's I don't want people to lose that point. Right. <laughs> that connection is a really big deal and is like the most important thing to start with. Um, okay. So this is a question for both of you. Mm -hmm. What is one piece of advice that you would give to people who are recovering from church hurt? Like if you could give one and thing. nothing else. You had one thing to I'm give. I'm sure there's a lot, but if you had yeah. one, but you each get one, so. Dig as deep into the word of God as you possibly can, because true healing comes from the word. Yeah. 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 You're seconding it? Yeah. <laughs> I second that. I also <clears throat> think that there are certain, you know, verses that will help with this. One thing that always helped me was Paul when he says this one thing I do mm. forget those things which are behind mm. yeah. I press toward the mark you know and that that is so key because anyone anyone can be held hostage by their own past yeah and as much as it needs to be dealt with and brought to light and allow healing you still have to be willing to forget it and and move forward. Mm -hmm. And that would be the advice I would just tell them, you know, get in the word and meditate on those scriptures and do your best to just apply it yeah. to your own life. And and and, and as you're like, you know, and if you I know was, we were given one I know, it's just given one. <laughs> okay, one and he's, a half. He's expounding. Yeah. He's a preacher. He does this. <laughs> My last point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> If in that conversation where I was recommending them to read the Word of God, one of the things I would tell them is the fact that understand the fact that God uses 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 experiences and He uses adversity and He uses challenges and these these are things that God shapes us through. And instead of cursing your situation, ask for God to reveal to you through the Word of God the purpose for the situation. Now you may never see it, but at least if you can have the perspective to look for it. And it's like, I mean, I, just even when I was, I was talking to Rebecca, she was in the hospital. And when we were chatting, I said, hey, you know, I, I said, you know, while you're there, I know you feel awful, but know that God never makes any mistakes and he has you there for a reason. And while you're there, there's probably somebody that God intends for you to meet with and somebody for you to talk to. I said, so look for that. And she was like, that's a new perspective. I never would have thought of that. And I'm like, that, that's the whole thing. God doesn't make mistakes. Everything has a purpose and a plan. So look for his plan in the midst of that struggle or whatever it is. So. Yeah. And, I, and just going back to the, the aspect of getting and digging into your Bible, it's always so interesting to me how God will reveal himself differently in the exact same passages you've read Amen. before, but it'll be so vastly different. It'll mean different things to you. You'll take it different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's one thing to read about, um, say, for example, the, the, the three uh, men being thrown into the fiery furnace. And it's another thing to feel like you're in your own fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. It's just a completely different aspect. And it's amazing how you, you'll grow in ways you didn't think you could. I mean, how many times have we talked to someone who, for example, had cancer? Mm -hmm. And once they're healed from it, they say that they almost miss it 
because they missed the closest they experienced with God during that time. I don't know, it's almost like, well, it's not that God's any less close. It's just that you were experiencing a new growth in understanding of God in a particular area. Yeah. And so I just, I, I, I found that comment very Or sometimes we're closer, like we're moving closer, right? Because we feel like we need God more in those situations. Amen. Yeah. God loves a broken, broken yeah. and contrite heart, right? I mean, that's it. And when you're, when you're there, the cool thing is, man, he meets you right there at your lowest, darkest, most broken moment. That's the wonderful thing about the Lord, that the fact that he says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But the cool thing is when you're at your lowest, lowest moment, you don't have to feel divided by God because if you'll open your heart and realize the fact that he's right there on your shoulder, he's literally cuddling up against you. And if you'll just acknowledge him, man, he'll just minister to your heart and just heal you. And it's just, I mean, just awesome. You know, having been in those dark moments myself and to feel the hand of God touch you, and just, I mean, bring a peace that you cannot, can't understand, you know? It passeth all understanding. It is exactly it. And it keeps your hearts and your mind, man. It just absolutely, it's just amazing. So, and, and knowing that God will do that, it's just, just, it's an awesome thing to know when you're dealing with somebody who's broken, the fact that we know the healer. Because we're, I mean, the thing is, you know, we, we, we're all going to counsel people, but we're not the solution. <laughs> right. The whole thing is, you know, and as you, you one of the things we're going to talk about is just the fact that you don't want people to be dependent upon you. You're not the answer. Yeah. You'll never be the answer. Mm-hmm. Our whole goal is to eliminate ourselves from the equation and get them dependent upon God and the Word of God and let that be their ministry tool because you're not always going to be there. And when they find themselves broken, when they know how to turn to the Word of God and it ministers to them, man, you, you, you know, you're, you're a non-element, which is exactly who you should be. You know, we're not here right. to be you know, kingdom builders for ourselves. We're here to build His kingdom, and He's supposed to get all the glory, not us. So, yeah. It's really interesting that... Um, you're saying that right now because mm-hmm. earlier today I was actually talking to David about somebody I just found out um, they have a relative who's struggling with depression and I've dealt with a little bit of depression um, situational type depression so I don't have a lot of experience with that but what I was telling David is I said we can give practical tools right because David's dealt with his fair share of depression but really it just breaks my heart because you know, really only God can help them in that kind of situation. And yeah, there's clinical tools that they can have, but mm-hmm. God is hope, you know, yeah. and that, well, I, yeah, I, I'm literally, I was, I was saying that, you know, in my situation with my two year depression, the only reason that I'm still alive today literally is because of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was no other reason when I would be having these moments where I would be walking to work and I'm walking over an interstate where cars are blasting down the road going 75 miles an hour and his little voice in my head is telling me to just throw myself into the road and it's all going to be over. Mm-hmm. It was literally just this other little voice in the back of my mind saying, don't, Amen. don't. And I knew who that voice was. Amen. And it was in those moments that I just, I can't tell you how much power there was in just walking. I never stopped. I'd look at the cars, I'd see it, but just to keep walking because I heard the voice of God in my mind, just the little still voice, don't. And so, yeah, um, the voice of God is is certainly a powerful thing, which uh, not to take up too much time, that's something we will definitely talk about in the future because so many people before church hurt don't understand the voice of God. The voice of God to them is the voice of their parents telling them what right, to do, or it's right. the voice of a pastor or Sunday school teacher making some kind of demands on them. And I remember, or themselves, or themselves, in my case, sure. I didn't even know. I was and like, wait, a voice. When you were going through your massive anxiety, you were saying, "How do I know this isn't God telling me to do these horrible things?" And I said, yeah. "Well, what's he saying?" And she she told me, "I said, 
that's because God doesn't do that. And she's right. like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's not the voice of God. <laughs> look in scripture. Look at how he talks. Look at what he is. You're being condemned. When I have my depression, the biggest issue that I dealt with was I was self-condemnation. Yes. And when I looked into the scriptures and I saw that the only one who is able to condemn mm-hmm. is Christ. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who has the right to do that. He's not doing that. Mm-hmm. And so if there's condemnation, it's not coming from him. It's coming from me or someone else. Yeah. And, and so just learning the differentiation. Um, I think it's a good way from there is a good place to transition to our next uh, portion. Now that we've talked about identifying the hurting and starting the process of healing, obviously we're probably going to come to some roadblocks uh, along the way. Sure. Um, what would you say is the biggest obstacle to recovering from church hurt that you've seen? Mm-hmm. It can be a specific Trust. instance or general. Trust? Trust. I mean, I, I think that's what it comes down to because a lack of yeah, yeah, yeah. Their their ability to try to trust that you are genuine. You, I mean, you have to prove yourself to them. And the problem is, we're all failed. You know, I mean, I I, I, I offend people all the time. And I don't even know it. I have no clue. And the problem is, if someone doesn't come and tell you that you've offended them, whether you, there's no way for you to make it right, right? I know I'm I'm a knucklehead many times, and I do things I shouldn't do, and or say things I shouldn't say which sorry for that. If I do this on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) well, we'll talk about it. (laughs) But the point is, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to own up to whatever if I do something wrong. But the thing is, you know, people have got to be willing to trust you enough to tell you when you do something wrong. Otherwise they're just going to simply say, you know what, there you go. There you go. I knew he was just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, and you've got to, if you can develop that developed level of trust where people are willing to give you a benefit of the doubt because they've done it before and they've been burned. And we understand. I mean, I've been burned myself, you know, worked under pastors that I that lied to me outright. I mean, did things that were awful. And and, you know, the thing was, you know, and, and one thing for us I can say is the fact that even though we went through severe church hurt and, and were betrayed and all kinds of stuff happened, one thing was we always had our eyes on the Lord. So it never affected our faith. We're always just like, you know what? People are gonna fail us. That's just the way it is. You know what? God never failed. They failed. So let's just keep our eyes on him. Learn what not to do from these experiences and move forward. Yeah, I mean, we definitely didn't, you know, veer from our faith, but we we hurt each other mm-hmm. is what we did, you know. So that's mm-hmm. one thing for sure. And I think going back to your question, it's about, changing the paradigm i mean we're talking about a paradigm shift right Mm -hmm. because if somebody's mental model is this church is going to fail me these people are going to hurt me there is nothing that's good out there anymore i may as well worship at home you know i can read my bible and just stay there and if your mental model your paradigms are those are the things that you expect that's what they're looking for so like what david said we do need to you know reestablish or establish trust but their paradigms have to change and in order to do that it's the word of god you know that is what will change them because they'll see like you said david they'll start to recognize well wait, God doesn't work like this. These are people that have let me down, not God. And that's the part that people need to go through in order to be able to get that healing. One thing I thought of just a minute ago was um, somebody that's been through church hurt but didn't realize it, like was one of our children, 
And after we left a church that had really been pretty detrimental to our family, she said to us one day, I feel like I've been stuck underwater and I can finally breathe. She was so oppressed Mm -hmm. in the environment that she felt like she was literally underwater for Mm -hmm. years. And when we finally came out and we started Hope and she was here, it was like she said she could finally just breathe. And that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. It's like her mental model was you can't breathe in church. Mm-hmm. You can't be yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't have, you can't go there you can't be imperfect. and not be <laughs> judged. You, right. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? And God just had to change that in her. Yeah, when we when we say it's a place of restoration, it's been a place of restoration for our family, hugely. You know, as God was calling us to plant the church, and you know, we were just trying to be faithful to follow through. We didn't understand all that, but what's been amazing is to watch how much He's healed us, and then through our healing, allowed us to heal other people, which is just only the goodness of God, the grace and the love of God. It's like it's just I could sing if I could if I could sing I would sing <laughs> but you're, Same. Yeah. Now you I, sing better than you give yourself credit for we've heard yeah I've heard you sing yeah I think she has a beautiful voice she does she never says that about so, me well, 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 we'll help you you we've never heard you always oh, you're in the front and you're tilted away from us we don't know it's probably best that way so now it's interesting oh, wait, I, I have a question okay go ahead yeah. go. sorry um, so you're mentioning Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. They're kind of messy. Um, That's the messy? Whole, yeah. Wow, I'm For so me, jealous. For me, it's messy. Um, changing the mental yeah. paradigm. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about going to the Bible, right, to help change that. So what would you – what kind of advice would you give someone who maybe isn't – really wanting to go to the Bible, like maybe that's aversive for them. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of advice you would give to a person? Yeah, I mean, I would. the thing that we try to do is get people involved in discipleship because this is a one-on-one opportunity for us to sit down. And what we, I mean, discipleship is very much like counseling. It's very much about developing someone. So when someone's gotten saved, they've never been developed in the Word of God. They don't, they don't really know the Bible. They know what they believe, but they don't know why they believe it, per se is the matter of trying to get them grounded in the word. And what this is, is it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a weekly meeting with them for an hour and a half to two hours. And we're going to, and I start them every time we started exactly the same way. I said, you know what, tell me what your spiritual high was this week. And then tell me what your spiritual low was this week. And we talk about the hurdles that they deal with. And so if their spiritual low was, you know what, I, you know, lost my temper. Or I, you know, I fell back in alcohol, whatever it was. Look, okay, listen, we can't change what's happened. Let's address it. Let's move forward from here. This is a growing process. And so it's just a matter of making that a safe place where we can sit down with them, we can talk. And the cool thing is it's always reverting back to the word, always reverting back to the word. Very first one, what's salvation? Next one, eternal security. We just start developing them in the word. And what's cool about it is you start to see them really start to ask questions, they get engaged. And then suddenly what's beautiful is when they, they're doing their homework or they're doing their assignments and stuff like that, and they'll come back and they go, well, I read this and I was thinking this. And I'm like, yeah, that's a really good site. And you know what, that also takes us over here and just follow along and sort of show them how we can trace through the scripture. And they're like, man, that's awesome. And it's just, you see them start to fall in love with the God, with the word. And that is, that's, that's the magic. Because in the end of this, 
we want them to love the word, not love us. Right. And it sounds like, sorry, it sounds like the relationship of building that trust and connection, again, is paired with the discipleship, which really is the main focus here. I was literally going to say that. What what you're doing is you're... It reads your mind, obviously. Well, something like that. I was going to say, grant my mind single light, but yours is greater. But so literally what you've done is you have paired the ability for them to be who they are, to express their frustrations, their failures, and their doubts. And then you pair it with a positive experience with the scripture. They don't have to be in it, but you've paired that that way, right. which is a psychological term that's very interesting. That's yeah. a good question. Sounds just so beautiful. I think another, another really good mm-hmm. option for somebody that maybe they're not ready to commit to discipleship, mm-hmm. maybe that's just a bit much right now, um, is to find a preacher that's really good and listen to Mm. the word being preached. You know, I would listen to Onward and Upward. I would listen to Dave's podcast. I would, for me, I listen to Pastor Mark Trotter for Mm. hours and hours and hours, you know. Me too. Um, And that type of, you know, getting the word through a pastor, like if somebody's not able to really rightly divide the scripture themselves yet, or maybe they don't like to read, you know, or maybe they're too busy. Find a good, good expository teacher. Yes. And just, <laughs> and yeah. just let that, let that preaching yeah. start to minister to your heart. Mm-hmm. And that word of God just being preached is going to be just the transformation. Mm-hmm. I right. really like that. And I just have to say that I'm not a really big reader, um, at grad school kind of changed things for me <laughs> with that. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of reading, but, um, I do listen to the Bible, like audio yeah. mm-hmm. and what is the drama? Uh, is it Takarda? Yeah, yeah. They have like a dramatized they version. They have the music. And I love it. It's yeah. still, it's still like playing in the background. Like yeah. That. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. You can hear. <laughs> so for any of you listening who don't really like to read, the that's Takarda always Bible an option. Yes. Yes. yes it's that's really we like it too. Now, talking about the Bible and the healing process, we never want someone to stop going to church. We've always told people, you, the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves. Right. It doesn't mean you can't stop or pause, but you never leave it behind all the way. However, we have before council people, look, every time you come here, you get angrier, you get more bitter. Maybe you need to take a step back for a little while. We have before council people to step back, which is, it's a risk and it's scary to tell people that because there's always the option that they'll just not come back. But I also have scenes where I'm like, they're never going to heal here and they will hurt themselves to the point where they can't. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's good counsel. I mean, if you're going someplace that's reinforcing the same painful experience and let's say they don't have ears to hear, you know, they're, they're not about healing. Well, I mean, you, it seems like an uphill battle. Uh, or, or actually detrimental uh, to go there, you know. Not that the Word of God's not going to speak to their heart. I mean, God can use anybody. That's the Word of God. It's not the man. But, uh, yeah, but you have to have ears to hear. And the thing is, if you go in there and if you're, if you're so closed off because you're frustrated and you're angry at the preacher, he could be reading the phone book. It isn't going to matter. You're not going to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would, I always counsel people, say, look, you know, go to a, try to address this situation, as the Bible says in Matthew 18. Go to try to address this. Mm-hmm. Make it right. Get this thing squashed. And then, you know, you'll be able, able to go forward. But if that's not an option, maybe God's putting you out of there. Maybe God's moving you out of that church. Maybe yeah. God's telling you that, you know what, there's someplace else for you. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened with us. Mm-hmm. When we were in our last church, 
for for both of us, honestly, in, de- on, in independent lanes, mm-hmm. not really communicating because we had some issues in our marriage at the time. Mm-hmm. God was moving us away from the ministry at the same time in different ways. For me, I think I was there maybe a year before Dave. And I was ready to leave, but he was not. And my, you know, thinking was, I can't tell him, hey, we got to leave because he's the spiritual authority in our home and he's the man of the home and he's serving in the ministry. And, you know, I felt like even speaking up to him would be like, speaking against God and I was on staff at the church which is you know that's and so so for for us you know God did move us both he he started separating us from the ministry so David there are going to be times where God is moving you on he is, and and I think he makes that abundantly clear, which he did with us, and it was through a very painful journey, mm-hmm. very, very painful journey, and I was that person that was so hurt that couldn't hear what was being said anymore. I was like, you know, if you could ever imagine a, just a disgruntled <laughs> employee, <laughs> like, that would be me at church, you know? It was like I put on the face, which is even worse to admit, but I put on the face for the sake of Dave, for the sake of the ministry, but God knew my heart, you know, so I was totally pharisaical. And it was hypocrisy. It was the leaven of the hypocrisy. <laughs> I mean, it was just terrible. And, um, you know, I'm so glad that God got us to a point where we could finally just say, I think God's moving, and he wants us to move out of here. And, uh, and I just asked Dave, I said, if you have that thought in any way, could you just consider that it's the Holy Spirit that – I'm not pressuring you, but if you just, if you feel it in any way, like I'm feeling this, maybe it's the Spirit of God moving both of us. And it wasn't 12 hours later, and he said, let me tell you what, God's been telling me it's time to go, and he's telling me, listen, I thought we were going to go to a new church. He said, we're going to start a church. And I said, no, we're not. <laughs> I said, no, we're not. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm just like, telling you, that's what God's like, saying. He's like, no, we're going to do that. I said, no, <clears throat> we're not. <laughs> and, you know, and, and there's another uh, aspect of this that I have, and I've tried to make right, uh, which I still have, I still have work to do, but if you're if you're if you're a part of the ministry that is actually hurting people and you're on staff and you're being told to address someone with something go have a difficult conversation many times we would be the ones that would have to go out and minister or administer the rules. the rules right and so when you're in that position you're trying even in your own heart you're like look this doesn't feel right i don't feel like i should be doing this but you're just simply trying well i know i'm supposed to do it you know i'm supposed to be obedient to the pastor and I'm supposed to, you know, cause that's what you're taught to do. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, when, when we broke out of there, you know, when I, the last, when we left that church, you know, I had a conversation with the pastor for an hour and a half. And I said, look, you know, these are all the reasons why biblically I feel like, you know what, we, God's moving us on. And, you know, I'm not accountable to God for this church cause I'm not the pastor of this church, but I am accountable for my family. And for that reason, you know, I have to, I have to do what God's telling me to do. 
So I'll give you my keys today and, and, and I'll be leaving. But you know, and the thing is, and it wasn't a matter of bad mouthing anybody or anybody down. I said, look, I tried to leave it as, as positive as possible. Um, but at the same time, I just had to be honest. And I just said, look, you know, these are all the things that I believe are going on. These are families that I know that are hurt, you know, that have contacted me directly. I can't speak to the ones that haven't spoken to me, but these people spoke to me directly and I'm going to give you their names and have you please reach out to them. You know, do your best to try to fix what's hurting in this place. All right, we're going to go ahead and pause right there. And uh, don't worry, we'll have the second half of the interview next week. But Nikki and I are going to talk a little bit about some of what we heard, which there was a whole lot of stuff in there. And I mean, just right off the bat, the first thing that jumped out to me is how Christine pointed out that she didn't even realize that church hurt was a thing until she had experienced it. And I think that for a lot of people, that's probably a reality. They don't have any idea that there are people walking around them hurt by church. Some people can't even fathom the concept because for them, they're all hunky-dory and it's it's never even happened to them. And I think that if you've been raised in that kind of culture that you're probably not going to be aware, right? Because that's normal for you. Like you're used to that. Um, so I think that until you get out of that situation... Um, frequently you don't even know that you're in it really, unless you get to the point where you're super hurt and then you're kind of taking a step back and looking at what the cause of that hurt could be. Right. And I think that to some extent we can even be in denial that the church, that the the hurt was church hurt. Mm -hmm. Whenever we're not used to that hurt coming from our teacher at church or, a leader or a deacon or a pastor or the pastor's wife or someone like that, I think sometimes it's difficult to do that and to just take a step back and go, oh, wait, yeah, that is that is what it was. I was hurt by that. So I just thought that was interesting to start things off. Another thing that was very interesting were the indications of um, church hurt or how people show that they're hurt by church. Um, and some of the things that Christine mentioned was withdrawal um, a sudden, sudden reserve, like if they weren't reserved already and then they're, you know, maybe they were more outgoing and then all of a sudden they're like, "Mm, not talking to anybody. Um, (laughs) you wrote this one, so I'll let you explain what you mean by that. Oh no, that was him. Not me. He said spidey sense. (laughs) He said, you get a spidey sense when you're talking to him. Yeah, yeah. But what I, I think what he meant is that the Holy spirit kind of reveals it to you that there's something going on. I mean, your, your instincts go, wait a second, something is not, something's not right here. Um, but I honestly think that we've, we've experienced that. We've mm-hmm. not, I mean, we have personally, but in talking to others, the, the ones who are suffering from church hurt are almost never talking with people. Yeah. I mean, at our last church that, well, not our last church, but at our church in San Diego, we had the foyer ministry is what we called it. <laughs> and so we would intentionally sit near the back of the church. So when the invitation started, we would ditch out to the foyer so we could catch people who were trying to ditch out before they had to talk to anybody. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we weren't trying to, you know, be mean or whatever, corral them, but we more than once got someone who was on the way out the door. You know, they come in late, they leave early. And we were able to kind of connect with them and find out that there was a problem and even dig into it, which we never could have done that unless we'd realized, hey, and, and the reason we did that is because you noticed that they weren't there. Yeah, and I think that the Holy Spirit reminded me of certain people um, when I wouldn't see them. And I'd be like, hey, have you seen this person? Because I haven't seen them. 
and then we would be on the lookout for them. And part of the reason we would go out into the lobby to check is, or to kind of catch them, is so that we could just check in with them, right? Because we wanted to make sure that um, they were feeling supported and connected, and if they weren't, like, they're we had some sort of way to connect with them if they wanted that, of course. Yeah. And I actually think one couple that we ended up working with, I think they'd been going to the church for something like nine years or something. It'd been a long time and they had never done anything more than show up for the service and then leave and show up and leave. Yeah. And we were the first people that really tried to get them involved. And man, once they got involved, woo, they were some very um, uh, uplifting people and very, very helpful to that endeavor. And I think it's interesting um, when she talks about the withdrawal and the um, being reserved, right? Mm. Because I know that when I was dealing with church hurt, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm like super outgoing, but I am outgoing when I know people. But even in those kind of situations, I was a little more guarded, I think would be a good word. Um, and just kind of like, oh, I don't really want to put so much in, right? Because I was already hurt. It's more like you want to be away a little bit. You're still going to church because for most of us who've grown up in church, um, we feel like we're supposed to, right? And so you, it's almost like a duty mindset, right? Like, oh, I have to go to church. Gotta do this (laughs) three times a week or whatever, you know, whenever the doors are open, something like that. But when you are experiencing church hurt, that may not always be the best thing. But that could indicate why some people may be there, but not be themselves really or seem a little more reserved compared to normal. Right. And like, so for me, for example, in the times that I was dealing with church hurt, I am not as outgoing. I mean, I know that people would not believe that. (laughs) I talk a lot. Um, but it's yeah, actually, <laughs> it's an effort for me to hold long conversations with people, even people I like, like there just comes a point really quickly where I'm like, and I'm done. Um, well, it, I'm glad you don't just like me. You love me. I love you. Yes. So you can talk more to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I just, I, I'm not like that, but even that, whenever I would go through the church hurt, my, my talking went down even quicker and it went from being reserved to being avoidant. Uh, to where I was just trying to get out no matter what as fast as I could and get away from people. And I just, I wanted to be alone. So I just, I thought that was really interesting how they pointed, mm-hmm. they pointed that out. Now I've got to say that I was incredibly impressed by the fact that they literally had a guy who had been homeless living in their house. I know, right? For a year. Um, man, like that right there, some commitment. And I'm not saying that it's wrong or right for people to not be willing to do that. And I mean, there's other considerations you got to think about too. Yeah. It can't just be you. You got to think about your family and what they can do. But hey, if you're in a position that to do so and your family is secure enough, that kind of ministry is huge. Truly shows the love of Christ, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I just, I just wanted to say that that was incredible and um, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of that scene from the blind side after he spent the night. Like they don't know anything about the guy. And it's like, well, if you hear a scream, call the insurance adjuster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And of course it turned out great for him. Um, I really think that what Christine mentioned about legalism being the most painful and prevalent kind of church hurt really resonates with us. Mm-hmm. I think it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that for us, it was literally the source of most, I can't say all, 
but most of our church hurt. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, for sure. And I think I actually remember even using that word with you. Um, and you were kind of like, well, I don't know. What, legalism? Yeah, you were like, well, maybe. And then the more that we experienced it, then you were like, oh, yeah, I agree. Because I think it wasn't directly affecting you initially. Um, but it was <laughs> for sure affecting me based on um, the kind of rules and you know standards that people claim to have. Right. And I think that for me, the reason I didn't realize it was all legalism at first was because we were talking about um, you know, isolation and that kind of stuff, but the isolation was being caused by the legalism Yes, because we were not as sold out or my, uh, there was something wrong with my skirt, uh, <laughs> well, my skirt, to be specific. Yeah, right. My hair, your skirt, <laughs> uh, or whatever it was. And I mean, Hey, uh, one of our good friends now, I remember he told me when, he, when, when I first came in to preach for their class, he's like, I remember I didn't like your spiky blonde hair <laughs> was what he said. Which, just to be clear, you didn't have blonde hair. You had highlighted hair. That's I correct. I guess that makes it worse, though. Probably. Uh, probably does. <laughs> it's probably worse that way. But it's really true that the, the simple fact of the matter is that that legalistic, uptight feeling is the problem. And this actually ties into something that they talked about later whenever they were saying that their daughter felt like she couldn't breathe. Hmm. when she was in that. I, we understand that. Yeah. And the simple fact of the matter is the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.17 that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And if you go to church and going there feels heavy and oppressive, why are you being oppressed by going to church? It should mm -hmm. be liberating and empowering. Uh, not, not like that. So uh, that was just a, a big thing. Anything else you want to say about the legalism? No, I think that's it. Okay. Um, I do like how um, Pastor Goodson, I'm going to call him pastor for sake of simplicity because there's too many Davids too many in this Davids, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, God is the one that brings the change, not us. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that too often people are too busy trying to figure out how do I fix this? How do I get this person to not be hurt? You can't fix it. I can't fix it. None of us can fix it. All we can do is be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We can show the love. We can pray. We can share with them. We can make ourselves available, like how they were kind of talking about just giving people a chance to share their story mm -hmm. and be vulnerable. And that is going to really, really do a lot there. Which I think kind of leads into the next um, statement that we really liked that they said about communication, starting the healing process, right? And how many times have we personally found that when we were able to share our story or even part of our story that each time we shared it, it got a little easier to share. Right. I mean, yeah. I remember the first time I shared, um, part of my, um, abuse history and I cried about it because I, you know, it was newer and I hadn't really shared, shared it with other people, but now I'm able to talk about that and not to say that I don't ever cry. Um, because I do have moments like that, but it's sure. easier to talk about it now because it's part of my story and I want to be able to help people who've also been there. Mm, and it really reminds me for some reason of that song by Laura story, the God of every mm -hmm. story. Yeah. That's what it means. You know, just because it's a, it, it to us, it's a bad story. Uh, doesn't mean that it doesn't have a good ending, uh, or a happy ending or something of that nature. And it, there is so much power in sharing the hurt. Um, I always joke around that my high school creative writing class was come to class, feel bad about it, write it down. 
<laughs> but the truth is that what she taught it's us a good strategy actually, <laughs> actually yeah <laughs> but what she taught us in that class really allowed me when i i would come to a meeting with someone who i could tell was hurting i would remember how i felt bad and i would share about it and my sharing would empower them to share and start communicating themselves mm-hmm. Which opened it up. It opened it up for them because there's power in releasing it. And then it opened it up for me to be able to help and for us to be able to help whenever we were in situations where there were both of us involved. Um, which brings us right into it with something Christine said, which I loved this, where she said, God never wastes pain. Now, it's true. We might waste it, yeah. uh, you know, either because we can't move through it or because we don't want to move through it. But God won't. Um, reminding me of that other song, Unredeemed. Hmm. Who, who is that? Um, is that Sila? I think so. Yeah, the Unredeemed. Uh, there, there's nothing that God doesn't leave. Uh, and I think that sometimes we can waste that too by not being willing to share, right? I mean, obviously, if you're not ready to share, that's one thing. But if you never get to that point either, um, you know, we may be missing out on being able to help other people through the experiences that we've had. Right. Yeah, exactly. And really that, that is why we get to the place where, as we were talking about in the interview, that people are hurting and they're hurting and they're wanting to see an example of what Christ is supposed to be. And they keep not seeing it. And maybe they look online and then they, they, they go someplace else because they saw a preacher online and then they get there and it's not real there either. And they change churches and they change ministries and it keeps not being real and it keeps not being real. And at some point they go, well, I guess it's not real. I guess God's not real. This isn't really out there. But the main thing we've got to remember is that the failure is 100% of the time humans. Mm-hmm. It's always humans. Humans will let you down every single time. I mean, in our own interview, and I don't think we're at this part of this interview yet. I think it happened in the next part of the interview um, was where he, he actually, they said, I think we, we triggered you. And yeah, we, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we'll talk about that in, in the next half of the interview. And it's, yeah, even even these people uh, triggered us on something that we had happen and we had to go and deal with them on it. And so. not to get too far into that, but I think that we will all do that at some point, right? Because yes. we're human and we don't know what triggers other people. We don't know their history, you know, so it's I think it's bound to happen it's just a matter of being able to work through it when it does happen right i agree and in working through it christine brought up a strategy which nikki you were you're definitely want i know you want to say something so i almost tell your thunder but where she gets <laughs> into philippians 3 13 and 14 where she talked about philippians 3 13 forgetting those things which are behind yeah and i was just thinking actually we were talking about this earlier where you know, when I hear the term forget, typically I think, oh, like I, I forgot where I put my keys and they're in my hand or my sunglasses on my head or something like that. But in this instance in the Bible, um, it's not really talking about that. And while forgetting is not always a choice, forgiveness is right. So we can choose to forgive. We may not be able to choose to forget right? because those memories are there. Um, refusing to hold on to it is definitely a choice, right? Yeah. Um, and if we refuse to hold on to that memory, um, wait, yeah, then we can, neglect, <laughs> we, we can neglect it, I think, to the point where you can yeah. eventually, quote unquote, lose it from your mind or really just become unaware that it's even a memory stimulus. Yeah. So really, our focus should be on moving forward 
um, when your focus is on that, it'll be harder to remember Right. Those kind of situations. Not that you completely forget it, right? No, you may never. But you're choosing to actively focus on what you're doing, what's ahead. Um, and that ends up filling that void. Right. And it's actually very similar to the concept of forgiveness in the Bible. Because literally the word forgive in the New Testament leans, uh, means to let go of, to refuse to hold on to. Forgiveness isn't about uh, not remembering something happened it's about refusing to engage it yourself forgiveness is not actually for the other person it's actually for yourself right and that's what this is um this forgetting it's it's about refusing to dwell on the hurt refusing to let it have that power over you and focusing on something else i mean think about this how you were saying that you have to focus elsewhere when we wear uh, our, our full set of clothes we got our socks our shoes uh our pants shirt whatever our body is aware of every single thing touching it, but we do not actively pay attention to that. We go through the whole day forgetting it. Why? Because we're focused on something else. Mm -hmm. So while it may never actually go away, in a sense, we kind of are forgetting it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that, that, I just thought that was a really insightful comment. I, I was really, mm -hmm. I love what you had to say about that, Nikki. Uh, the final thing that we're going to get into on this half uh, before we uh, take a break for Next week is what to do when people can't get into the Bible themselves. Maybe they find it too aversive uh, at that particular time. And yes, it can. I mean, remember, we, we saw that with Tracy's interview that she right. said that the Bible became aversive to her. Um, I loved how he was talking about pairing their hurting with biblical reinforcement. So giving them the opportunity to express how they're feeling, what was your spiritual low this week, and then just taking that and creating a positive uh, scriptural application with it so it's not preaching it's like oh well you know uh, he used the the example well, this week I, I got drunk again it's like okay well the bible says be not drunk with wine <laughs> <laughs> no no not not that but talking about hey the bible says hey his mercies are renewed every morning uh if you woke up today you got a new chance you got new mercy god still loves you and he knows the thoughts that he thinks toward you and it gives them a chance to have a positive pairing which we came up with that actually at the same time holding a pairing right yeah i think so yeah uh, I, I just thought it, it really worked really worked well another thing um discussed was listening to a listening to preaching right and it's actually funny because today after church i actually thanked pastor hudson for not being a yelling preacher yep. <laughs> um which was not planned but i've been thinking about that for a while because the environment that I grew up in um, had a lot of yelling, even in the church setting. And I think it was just the culture there. It was. And people would get excited when there was yelling and stuff like that. And I'm over here like, oh, it's so loud. <laughs> <laughs> Stop yelling. I can hear you say what you need to say when you just say it in a speaking voice. Um, and I know everyone's different and has different um, views on that. But so <clears throat> we discussed listening to preaching like maybe on a podcast I know I do this throughout the week I'll mm -hmm. listen to like random preachers and um finding somebody who's maybe not triggering right so right. like if you find yelling aversive or triggering then maybe finding someone who doesn't yell you know um or yell consistently I know not everybody some people may yell like a couple times during and not the whole time and that's fine but really just finding what works for you and is not going to prevent you from hearing God's word. Right. Another example of that could be if you had a preacher that was narcissistic and constantly talked about himself, constantly did personal illustrations, 
that made himself look oh, good. Yeah. Even in illustrations where they were bad, they still somehow, you know what I'm talking about? These people will talk about their failures and somehow it gets turned into, oh, even this man <laughs> of God is prevailing through his suffering. I just want to be like him. <laughs> Maybe you've got that kind of situation where there's just so much story. Maybe you need to find a preacher who like really doesn't reference himself, uh, doesn't talk about himself a lot, whatever it is. But that gives you a chance to get the word of God into you secondarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just direct input. I mean, it's important to remember that a lot of scriptural um, transmission early happened orally, not visually. Yeah. And and to that point, I like to use the Takarta app, and I know that you can read that, of course. I actually use it in church because I typically don't bring my Bible. I usually use my phone. Yeah, turn in your um, apps. Right? <laughs> but I like it because there is a uh, dramatization of scripture on there, which is super nice to listen to. Um, almost makes you kind of feel like you're there yeah like in a movie or something yeah i really like it because they do like music and voice changes and different things mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. um so that's also another option i'm sure there's more options those are kind of the ones we yeah there are i just i like that one with. the best yeah yeah and, and so i just really like that the fact that you can get into other things that um that do that and get you the scripture but not necessarily like try changing the mode in which you get it uh and by the way Maybe the mode you always got it in before was through a preacher. Mm. Maybe you need to stop getting it through a preacher for a bit. Uh, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm just saying I understand what it's like to to not be reading your Bible for a while and to only get it from the preacher. But if the preacher has become aversive to you for some reason, he's hurt you, and you're having trouble reconciling that, well, maybe you just need to do it on your own. Go get the Bible and do that and, and just take it off on its own. You know, I just thought of another thing too. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's like a journaling Bible or something like that. And I've wanted one and just haven't gotten one. But basically the idea is that the scripture is there and there's like pictures within the scripture and you can kind of color those. And it kind of, actually, it's a good pairing right? Um, way too, because it makes it more fun if you like to color. Enjoyable. Um, so then, you know, you're you have the Bible there and then you're also able to color um around the scripture basically sure yeah or literally if you want to take notes whatever works for you whatever helps you to be able to do it so i mean just think about like in her case she likes to color we've got i do the, i love the coloring, adult coloring books yeah. and all the color pencils so that was a good pairing for her i like to walk and be out in nature and so maybe i'm going to be taking a walk and listening to the takarta app or something like that you know hey whatever works maybe you got a beanbag chair that you really like to sit down in and maybe you just need to sit down and, and read the bible a bit maybe you're like me and you really like to clean and you can throw on a podcast <laughs> and listen to preaching seriously i do that a lot right yes you do <laughs> I, it's a miracle to me and i'm glad one of the two of us likes to clean uh, someone needs to <laughs> uh, yes indeed someone does but uh, uh anything else from this half the interview you can think of i don't think so okay Well, thank you for joining us this week. And again, make sure you come back next week because the second half of the interview, we continue with the same topics that we were getting into. And they really did offer a lot of insight. And we just want to thank uh, David and Christine again for coming on to join us. Thank you for everyone who put up with the use of multiple Davids. Uh, (laughs) You'll be doing that again. My David. Yes, your David. Uh, (laughs) I'll be doing that again next week. But we hope you found it helpful. And, uh, you know, hey, if you did, let us know. I want to remind you, you can always reach out to us at lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. 
That's lovefaithtacos at gmail.com. We already had someone reach out to us once and say, hey, uh, your episode about anxiety, that's something I need help with. They told us where they lived. They told us what they needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, we connected them with some resources. We will happily do that for you. Uh, if you need to, if you got something you want to say, some topic you want us to talk about, a question, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to interact with you. It's our privilege and honor to do this. And we'll see you next time on Love Faith Tacos. Thank you for joining us on Love Faith Tacos. We hope this has been a blessing to you. If it was, we ask that you do three things. Number one, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Number two, please leave us a five-star rating and write a review if you can. And number three, please tell a friend because hope is just too important not to share.